ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 87. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Good evening. So I wasn't wrong, we did get Dom back this week, but now we don't have Jordan, so uh, kind of flip-flopping there from a two-man to a two-man. Real quick, before we get into the show, uh, by the time you guys are listening to this on Sunday or Monday, the first episode of our new series called A Look Back At... Uh, has come out. Uh, it's uh, about Arkham City, Batman Arkham City, and it features Dom and Jordan talking about that game, everything they loved about it, what it did that uh, kind of changed the industry, and um, yeah, the way it kind of fit into that whole series. So definitely go check that out on our YouTube. It runs about 20-ish minutes. Um, it's just a nice conversation between two people about a specific game, uh, and they get to talk about the ins and outs of it. Um, yeah, do you have anything to say about it, Dom? Spoiler alert. We hated the game. Terrible game. Hated it. Absolutely hated it. Uh, no, but yeah, if you're Bottom interested Bottom of the in barrel it, action. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in it, it's, like I said, a deep dive into a specific game, um, a mostly optimistic uh, view of the game, but also critical. And uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoy that. There's a lot of uh, episodes involving a lot of different games coming out in the future. It's going to be coming out uh, bi-weekly, so definitely stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, let's hop into what we've been playing. So it's going to be kind of a short week on this end because I only really had the time to play one game for a couple of sessions. And uh, from what I've heard, Dom, I don't think you had a chance to play pretty much anything. Um, so is life. Uh, I guess I'll get into what I played. So I've been playing Monster Hunter. You weren't on last week, Dom. But Jordan and I had a conversation of both of us aren't Monster Hunter aficionados. We're both new to the series. This is both of our first entry. And you've probably seen this online or in po- other podcasts where people talk about how obtuse and complicated a lot of the systems are in the game. And Jordan and I kind of went back and forth in that talking about it. And I guess our our, our final assumption of the game, uh, the, the kind of point we ended with is that it's a game me and him want to love. Um, and it's not that we don't love it yet. It's just we know we can love this game. We're just trying to get through the weeds to see if we will get there eventually, if that makes sense. Um, but like I guess exactly I'll... why I haven't <clears throat> jumped on that ship yet. It just I I've never liked the look of these games. They just I don't know something about it just feels a little off. Like, yeah. Control wise, I think I don't know. Uh, so personally, I I I really enjoy the way the game controls. I've kind of come around to that. I don't think it's necessarily obtuse. I think at some points it can become a little bit uh, cumbersome, um, and. I, I really like the game looks, not from a, a graphical fidelity standpoint, but when you're going through these areas, the world feels very much alive. So, as somebody who's new to Monster Hunter, I knew that the gameplay uh, loop, uh, I know a lot of people don't like that term, but it is what it is, um, of going out and getting monsters, killing them, getting their stuff and making better armor and better weapons, and rinsing, repeating, and getting stronger monsters, um, I didn't know that there was like full-on ecological systems that they make so there's there's plants there's uh flora and fauna that you can collect there's um smaller animals you can capture with the net that you can't really interact with with your weapon but you can capture them and they can become your pets and use them for different uh reasons for research points and such but then there's also like medium-sized animals that you can gather materials from but they're not necessarily monsters either Then there's like herbivores, which you never really go out and hunt, but you can gather materials from them. So there's like levels to the ecosystem in this game, which is really cool, which I didn't know about. Um, 
And from what I've heard, they've actually fixed a lot of the systems to make him even less obtuse than uh, previous Monster Hunter games. Uh, a new experience I had this week, too, that I didn't have last week talking to Jordan is I finally played it multiplayer. It is great. First of all, I want to say the way you play multiplayer is awful. <laughs> it's probably the worst feature of this game. Getting through that to get somebody into your game and play with them is way overly complicated for 2018. Um, I think this definitely revolves around the fact that this is a game that has been stuck to handheld for most of its franchise, and this is kind of one of its first big coming out parties to console, and it's just something they need a patch or fix. It's it's ridiculous how complicated it is, Dom. It's, <laughs> me and my friend spent about 10 minutes just getting into a game with one another, and I researched, and I knew exactly how to do it. It's just having him do a step, and me do a step, and this and that, and you can't, if one of us hasn't seen a cutscene before that the other person has, they can't join you until after they've seen the cutscene. It's like a bunch of stuff you'd expect to see in like 2005, not 2018. It sounds like, sounds like some Nintendo type shit. Like, it makes you wonder, like, do they make these games sometimes in a complete vacuum? Like, yeah. Like, go and play a match of Call of Duty, and it's, like, the easiest thing you ever jumped into, right? Yep. It's just... To hear things like that, it's like, guys, like, just look around at other games. Like, it's, you know... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what goes into it. <laughs> I'm sure it's not an easy thing to develop, but... Exactly. Um, but it does make like, it look so. It does seem like a system that they can fix with, like, an update. Like, it's not, like, super out of left field where it would take forever. It just seems like if they were to focus on that for an update, they can fix and it'd be fine. Also, uh, after we got into a game with one another, um, for us and my experience, the multiplayer was seamless. There was never really any connectivity issues or network issues. Um, we were able to hunt monsters and have a really good time. Um, yeah, it, it's a blast. Uh, because these monsters, obviously, as you progress through the game, they get more and more difficult. And having two people allows for a lot of variation in strategy, which is really good. Um, a, a big part of the game, too, a big mechanic, is making sure your blade sharpened. So... You're, you start, obviously, and your blade is completely sharp, but as you battle a monster, it becomes more and more dull, right? So at some point during the fight, either when the monster's running away or while you're currently fighting the monster, and I'll get into that real quick after after this, you have to stop and sharpen your blade on a whetstone. Having two players allows them to grab aggro, and you can do that, right? Whereas with when you're playing single player, you kind of have to hope that your palico, your little sidekick, grabs aggro for the monster, and you can do it real quick, or you just kind of have to tough it out and wait for the monster to run away to the next phase and then sharpen it. The reason you want to sharpen your blade, uh, Dom, is because the more dull it becomes, the less effective it becomes, obviously. Um... And with this game, the way the monster fights are done is that it's all damage-based. So say you start off in one area and you do X amount of damage. Once that X amount is reached, then the monster will start fleeing to a separate area. Do enough damage, he'll flee to a third area or fourth area. They're all different depending on how much damage you do. And then they'll eventually try to get back to their nest and sleep and recuperate. And that's where you attack him kind of most of the time for your final battle. But if you're able to do a lot of damage early on, you never really even get to those other phases, right? Because like I said, it's all about damage output. Um, and there's a lot of things I'm uncovering. There's traps you can put down um, that kind of like, uh, like you know, trap the monster in certain areas. There's envi uh, environmental hazards that you can use. Um, sometimes you'll be fighting a monster and another monster in the wild will come out and they'll actually have a showdown and they'll fight each other. So like a lot of that damage to that uh, the thing you're hunting can be done by another monster which is really cool it's very dynamic it's very fun i do think that this is one of those games that is so 
obtuse and confusing, but if you're just able to stick it out long enough, I think you're good for any other Monster Hunter game that ever comes out. I think these are these are tools in the game that are complicated, but it, from what I've heard from series veterans, they never really change that much because they're solid. It just it takes a lot getting used to. So that's something that's really comforting because if I'm somebody who's going to dedicate myself to learning Monster Hunter and figuring out these things, I know that I'm not going to have to just go reset the next time a game comes out right. So it's kind of like that initial hurdle. Um, that being said, I do think a lot of the systems should still be refined to what we expect from 2018 uh, video games. And it just seems like this is a game that's or a franchise that's been... I don't want to say stuck, but I guess I'll use it for for this. Stuck on mobile devices or mobile consoles or mobile you know video game consoles, and has primarily been played by a big uh, Japanese audience. And now that they're coming over and they're having a bigger splash in the West, we talked about their sales numbers. I think they're going to see that they need to refine the game, not only for Western standards, but kind of for what we expect from video games today. You know, so I don't know. It's I, I, I see I I don't mind your hesitation not wanting to get it. Uh, it's an, uh, you know I'm not sitting here I'm falling in love with Monster Hunter World, but it's definitely a game where I'm like oh I'm enjoying myself. I can see why anybody's hesitant to dive in. Right. On top of that, it's really interesting that a lot of the Destiny Two audience that's becoming unsatisfied at that game are moving over to this. So I mean I I think they're seeing a nice unsuspected thing there where these hardcore players that are expecting more from a game are now getting it from monster hunter world you want these systems you want these these chases for this rare stuff you want complicated systems you want all of these end game things i think monster hunter world is delivering on that for a lot of those destiny 2 uh, fans out there that wanted that from that game and it, they didn't deliver it so i think maybe capcom's a beneficiary of that audience moving over because we've seen plenty of stories of people like communities moving over to monster hunter world i mean that makes sense too even though it's like a it's not a shooter right it's a very different style of game fundamentally but just the because correct me if i'm wrong monster hunter is big on like like loot and crafting right like you're always trying to get the next piece to get the next good weapon to get the next good weapon and that's kind of that loop that you alluded to right from what i'm grinding that's like is yeah in grinding which it's kind of a big part of Destiny too, right? Um, of maybe it's a little bit different system, you know, the way the systems are set up. But in Destiny, you know, you're trying to get that next, the next piece, of that next weapon to level up, or you know, same kind of thing, from what I understand. Yeah, I think it, it makes sense. I think the audience there shifting over is a no-brainer. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it for Monster Hunter World for me. I'm about I think 18ish hours in. I'm still loving it. Uh, there's I've hit a wall not in terms of me not liking the game but i've hit a wall in my understanding of the the monster i'm fighting now is called toby kadashi i think and it's the first overtly elemental monster in the game dom so he's an electric monster he's like a weird like lizard squirrel Mm. thing and it's the first time that i'm understanding like oh i need to get my pokemon knowledge of this of like X is weak to Y, so I need to use Y. Whereas yeah. I was kind of just like paper scissors. Exactly, I was just kind of like brute forcing it for the most part with combat. Where now I'm starting to see the intricacies of, oh no, I need to have this specific armor and this specific weapon for this specific guy, um, because or else I'll get knocked out. You know, so I'm kind of figuring that out now, which is cool because it's another level to the game that I'm coming to understand. And this is a game 
I don't think I'll be done with at any point soon, Dom. From what I've heard, it takes about 50 hours to complete the main quest, the main storyline. And, like, it's 80 to 100 if you want to do everything, obviously. Um, and this isn't a game I'm trying to finish right away. I'm enjoying my time with it, and obviously it's a very complicated game. I think this is a game you're going to hear, you know, uh, reports from me throughout the year of, of playing it. Because going through this game now, I can totally see this as the game between games for me of, like... You know, I don't have anything to play. I'm going to hop into Monster Hunter World and, and do that kind of stuff. And it's cool to see my friends who aren't... I mean, I've never played Monster Hunter World, but having a gaming podcast obviously means we're open to more more than just casual gaming experiences, right? We're not just the Call of Duty Madden guys. We play a bunch of different games. So it's cool to see my friends who are more, more into, like, shooters and those type of games willing to take a risk on this, and he's enjoying it, So which is, which is really cool. Um... I think that's it for me. A lot of stuff came out this week that I needed to get to. Well, I didn't need to. I wanted to get to watching. I just didn't. Um, they shadow dropped the third Cloverfield movie, The Cloverfield Paradox. Mixed reviews on that. I'm still excited to watch it. I love everything Cloverfield. Haven't gotten to see that yet. And they also dropped Altered Carbon, which is based on a novel or a series of novels. And it's kind of like taking that Blade Runner aesthetic and going with it. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much stuff I wanted to watch I didn't get to um I didn't really intake anything particularly interesting outside of Monster Hunter World this week did you have anything at all Dom I literally didn't even touch a game um and I think it's been two weeks now it's been it's just you know been a lot really busy with some other stuff um I've been still reading uh Revenge of the Sith that novelization um nearly done with that it's still really 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 cool Nice. Uh, real quick, side note. Uh, what are your thoughts on Benioff and Weiss from Game of Thrones getting their own series of Star Wars movies? I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, yeah. I, mean, I like Game of Thrones. I like what they did there. So, <laughs> And I love Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> my biggest thing is people are like, oh, they're making too many Star Wars movies, which you can have a case for. I'm not saying you're wrong with feeling that way. You can feel that way if you want. But I'm, I, I think people are kind of getting this confused with like, I think after episode nine, this is my just my opinion. I think after episode nine, they're gonna kind of like either end or just take a break on the Skywalker saga, and that's why we're seeing this Ryan Johnson trilogy in development, and also this series of movies from uh, Benioff and Weiss. I think that they kind of like, okay, we gave you guys a Skywalker saga, we came back with a punch. Here's what I know you guys wanted something new to the Skywalker saga. Now we're gonna do other stuff, right? And I think the, these two. They didn't say the Benioff and Weissing was a trilogy necessarily, but you can kind of assume that with Star Wars. I think that they're going to do the Ryan Johnson and, and Benioff and Weiss thing, and after those two things have culminated, I think then we'll see a return to the Skywalker saga. Because they kind they made it uh, they made it pretty evident that neither neither the Ryan Johnson or the Benioff and Weiss thing have anything to do with the Skywalker saga. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm interested. I yeah, love Game and- of Thrones. So. It's interesting, and we can. It's a whole discussion, right? A little while back now, I think Ryan McCaffrey from IGN did this cool little feature about nostalgia and its effects on people, right? Um, and one of the points in the study he did, or cite or sourced, was that you know the the length of time from the last installment in something increases the amount of nostalgia and excitement you're going to feel for it when it comes back, right? So the um, evidence by you know everyone got so excited for force awakens because it had been so long since you know a a feature-length star wars film right so 
all this new stuff is going to sort to start, sort of start to you know dilute that you know nostalgia in people but i mean i don't i'm not like oh it sucks they need to stop you know what i mean yeah it it doesn't make things worse if you're objectively trying to look at it i mean as long as they're good then they're good it's um I don't see a problem with the volume of stuff they're planning on right now. It's just, it just is. If you don't, you know, you don't have to watch all of it, right? There was always a lot of other expanded universe stuff going on too yep. that you could have just ignored completely, like most of us did. You know, there was no one complaining about, well, there's too much Star Wars, you know, when about all the EU stuff previously. So you could just treat it like that if you wanted to. And if you want to live in a bubble where there's only the Skywalker saga, then feel free, right? Yeah. A lot of people do that about the prequels. Like, they just pretend they don't <laughs> exist. And more power to them. Yeah, it's just, it's weird that I, I think for people who claim to be such big Star Wars fans, there's people who say and are adamant about it that a Star Wars movie can exist without a lightsaber in it, which is weird to me. Because, like, I understand that point. I could say maybe a, a, a Skywalker saga movie couldn't exist without a lightsaber. But, I mean, I, I would love to see, like, a, a bounty hunter series of movies or, like, stuff that has nothing to do with the Jedi, you know, or the Sith and... I just love the way those movies look and the universe is presented. And I, like I've said, I'm, I, I love star Wars. I, I would definitely say that you and Jordan are probably bigger star Wars nerds than I am, but I do love star Wars and I'm okay with seeing new experiences. And I, like you said, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And maybe these things are the way that Disney wants to have people yearn for more Skywalker saga without bashing people in the face so they're doing these these stories from other creators that have nothing to do with the Skywalker saga. So even though we are getting quote unquote Star Wars, we're not getting what real I w- true fans would say real Star Wars. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's it's weird. It's a it's a it's a muddy subject. I have a lot of issues with the Star Wars fan base solely based on the Last Jedi. I have, that's a whole other argument. Uh, <laughs> but let's hop into the news. The vocal part of the fan. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's not, and like, and who knows, who, who knows the timing of this stuff too, right? Exactly. This could be over the next twenty years. These exactly. two series. Yep, we have no idea. Right. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll hop into the news here. The first news story: uh, Far Cry Five DLC will add zombies, Martian spiders, and a time traveling trip to Vietnam. Uh, so we basically got uh, the announcement of what the season pass for Far Cry Five will look like. It's going to have three expansions. One called Dead, Lying, uh, Dead Living Zombies, one called Hours of Darkness, and one called Lost on Mars. Um, are you familiar with these, Dom? Do you have a chance to look at these? Yeah, I mean, I saw, like, the, the cover art or whatever, the yeah. emotional so, images. Uh, Dead Living Zombies is essentially a horde mode uh, where you go against zombies. Nothing special there. Uh, Hours of Darkness takes players to Vietnam where they will do battle against the Viet Cong. So there I'm assuming on the surface it looks like a traditional Vietnam War type thing, but in Far Cry fashion it will probably throw some blood dragon punches in there of some weird outline this crap. That's my assumption anyways. And then the last one is Lost on Mars, which you basically get into a spacesuit and you get dropped onto a, uh, Mars and you fight against giant spiders and creatures. Um... Yeah, for me, I'll, I guess I'll take my do my take on it, and then you know, we can kind of discuss it back and forth. Um, Hours of Darkness and Lost on Mars seem really interesting to me in the Far Cry perspective. Like, I loved Blood Dragon. Dead Living Zombies doesn't... I'm not a horde mode guy. I like zombies, but, like, horde modes have never done it for me. Like, ever. I just... It's not my game mode that I, I enjoy. It's, like, my least favorite part of Gears of War games. Um, 
Hours of Darkness is interesting. Like I said, on the surface, it looks like uh, a Vietnam War game. It looks like, uh, you know, I think it's going to be less less serious war movie and more Tropic Thunder, uh, if you're familiar with that movie. And uh, it might take some serious tones. It's weird. Kind of like with Far Cry 5, it seems like there's parts of the game that are kind of political, political in nature. Not necessarily intended that way, but they do come off that way in terms of design. Um, so I don't know how Hours of Darkness is going to play out, if it's more serious, if it's more comedic. I'm betting it's more comedic, considering it's Far Cry. Uh, and then Lost on Mars, I love sci-fi, period. So if you give me the, the, the Far Cry engine on a sci-fi game, and I get a Blast Giant Spiders, that's cool. Um, so yeah, two of them, two of the three are really interesting to me. What about you, Dom? Do these, do these interest you at all? Are they interesting by themselves, standalone? Uh, I mean, not, not really. You know, it's kind of, it's one. It's interesting because, what is stringing these all these together, including you know Far Cry Five, right? Like I'm super stoked for Far Cry Five, but like this stuff, like each one is so different, um, that there's it's it's it, I don't know. It's, I'd rather have more Far Cry Five and not this weird stuff myself. I mean, these each of these could be great or you know some combination, but. I, and I'm not like trying to bash them, but it's just like, I don't, that's not really what I would have wanted out of it, but yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm not critical of it. I guess I'm just, eh, they're not really doing much for me. I'm just excited for the base game really. Well, and the interesting thing too, is there's the whole discussion of what DLC should be for games. Um, like frozen wilds is uh, a piece of DLC that it, does it take place at the middle of the game does it, or is it post game frozen wilds? No, I mean, it's not post, but you should be pretty close to the end. Um, the level, you know, the entry level is pretty okay. high. So you yeah. should be close to the end, but technically it's before. Because that game, when you beat it, it's kind of, you know, old school. Where like, there, you don't, it doesn't stay beat. You get put back to your last save, right? Yeah. It's one of and those. I think maybe they see it as hard making post, post-release narrative content for the world because... The way you know Ubisoft games work in with narrative stuff, it's like you finish the story, and then I'm pretty sure this will be like most other Ubisoft games where post story you can just free roam the world. And I don't know if it's, it'd be hard for them to kind of like because the Far Cry stories are so tied into the main villain, at least the last three entries or so. So I wonder if they're like it's easier for us to come up with these wacky side things than it is to like try to fit in another bad guy or some other kind of story. You know, I agree with you. I think. Uh, having something set in the actual like Far Cry Five realm of reality would be interesting. Um, the way I would love for them to implement this, though, so it did make sense, Dom, is I would love in if in Far Cry Five in some like wacky little Montana city that you pass through. Because I don't know if it's one, is it one? It's one county, right? It's not one city. I, I believe it's one county that the game takes place in. Yeah. Either way, a county. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love if in one of these little cities you walk into like one of the buildings and it's an arcade and each of these is an arcade machine. So obviously as they release, it's okay. just like an arcade machine. You walk up, you're like, oh, Dead Living Zombies. I've never played that before. And that's how you actually access the DLC? That'd be pretty cool. Because then it kind of okay, makes I sense, could get on, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I see where you're going and, and maybe I miss, I, I don't know enough about it. And if it's something more like that, then that's, I like that better. I assumed this was more like, these are kind of standalone where like, you pick them from the main menu and just go do it, right? Yeah. Um, because if if it's more like if it's more like the Fallout DLC where some of them are outlandish, like one of them, 
uh, from New Vegas or three, no Fallout three, one of them, you get abducted by aliens, right? And the whole thing is on a spaceship, right? Yeah, it's nuts, and it is doesn't really make. It's not Fallout. It's a different thing, but it's from you get abducted from the wasteland, so it's not yeah. completely separated. If that makes sense, I like that would to me. I think that's cooler, but. I don't yeah, like, I would love if you just walk into this little arcade and they're like, oh, we have a new machine back there, check it out, like one of the NPCs says, and you walk back there and it's like, I'm assuming Dead Living Zombies will be the first one released, because in the, in the promotional material, that's the first one listed, and it's like, yeah, it's a, it has all the graphics on it, it's decked out, and you click on it to play it, and then that which jumps you into the uh, the DLC, I think that'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be cool, that'd be a good way to get in there, but, like, the Vietnam one, I don't know how you do that, like, what do you, like, have a a flashback or some kind of PTSD thing and then you're well all of them could be <laughs> all of them could be video game like uh, arcade cabinets but then once you enter it's like yeah. you enter into the world you know or they could do something where like yeah, I guess uh dead living zombies is an arcade machine hours of darkness is a movie that's playing and then lost on sure. mars is like yeah. a book or something i don't know i think it'd be cool to like narratively tie it into the world as it exists then yeah, for it to I be agree. a separate menu click on thing i i think mm-hmm. that fits more and it, it it makes me a little bit uh more at ease when i go to jump into it i agree with you on that be a little bit creative with the way you introduce your dlc um yeah hell yeah <laughs> the next story comes away of GameSpot. it's a rumor uh call of duty's next game will be black ops 4 um this is kind of assumed <gasps> yeah <laughs> You know, the next game in the series is coming by way of Treyarch. Treyarch's known for Black Ops. Uh, Activision, this is an update because the earnings call happened the day of recording this. Activision has now confirmed Treyarch is making 2018's Call of Duty. No, duh. I mean, (laughs) they don't really need to confirm that at this point. Uh, It's kind of like when they have the big reveal of, like, guys, there's a Call of Duty game coming out this year. It's like, yeah, I know. Um, Yeah, it's rumored that it's going to be Black Ops 4, which is no surprise. It's the best-selling... um, series in the franchise, so of course they're going to double back on that. Um, as far as the interesting news, apparently the rumor also states that it's coming to Nintendo Switch, which is very odd. <laughs> um, well, I think it's a. It is, I think this is very much a given. Yeah. Um, but this it's still the most interesting part of the story because um, you you know you start speculate what does that look like on Switch, right? But I think it's obviously. I mean, this is. Probably, I mean, one of the biggest franchises there is, and they have the resources, and Switch has been successful, and there's units out there. They're going to put something Call of Duty on the Switch. Now, this, you know, the question is, is it going to be a POS port? You know, is, or what is it going to be? That's that's where, it, you know, we can start to speculate and have fun. I would almost be willing to bet my life savings that it will be entirely just a single-player campaign. I do not see a world in 2018 in which you can play Call of Duty multiplayer on a Nintendo Switch. I don't know, man. We keep talking about, oh, what's going to be the the Nintendo, you know, first-party monster game to come out alongside their online service? It's going to be Smash or what? Like, why not Call of Duty? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's You have another idea, I think, but why not Call of Duty? I think that'd be, that'd be like, to me, that's fucking brilliant. Like, holy crap. Not, not only – I think there was, like, Call of Duty on the Wii – and maybe even the Wii U, and it, you know, I, I think it is kind of like how you just guess the Switch one will be, where it's no online, it's just kind of like bare bones, just not much. But they have some potential here. If you could put like full on Call of Duty multiplayer on Switch, yeah, it could be cool. It, I mean, it's interesting. It could be something. 
Yeah. Maybe not cool. Uh, in the in the Activision earnings call too, and I'm not clear on this, but during the earnings call, they said that they're going to be, they're going to be or they're in the what they assume to be the best three year stretch for Call of Duty in terms of sales. So World War Two came out last year. We assume this one's Black Ops Four, or it's more than likely, you know, ninety nine percent, which Black Ops is the best selling series in the franchise. So I wonder if they're counting the game, and obviously this is probably clarified in the quote, if they're counting the game before World War II, which I highly doubt, which is Infinite Warfare, or if it's, you know, we return back to World War II, people love that, we're giving them Black Ops 4, people love Black Ops, and then whatever the next thing is, like, I wonder if the next thing is maybe Modern Warfare 4? I was just going to say, yeah. yeah, maybe that's the plan, yeah. Yeah, because then that would be a huge three-year stretch, depending on what they do with Modern Warfare. Um Nothing else to say here. The, the Switch news is interesting. Black Ops is a given every... I'm sorry. Call of Duty is a given every year. Black Ops is a given every year. Treyarch's making a Call of Duty game. So, not a surprise. Um, I'm going to be interested to see where exactly this game fits in Black Ops. Because Black Ops is a series known for like going back in the past. And then having like modern take. And then if, like the storyline splits up narratively. So, I'm interested to see how that looks. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, Black Ops, we can expect it, not a surprise. The next story here, um, we talked about the Red Dead 2 uh, release date last week, Dom, you weren't here. There was a leak uh, and rumors that came out by way of trusted reviews. So essentially the way this happened is that they received a bunch of information and a bunch of screenshots from their sources. They never released it, but due to the... the um, the press materials that Red Dead uh, Redemption 2's uh, developer Rockstar released alongside the release date announcement were some photos. And the photos that Trusted Reviews got were during those same scenes but different photos. So they're like, okay, this is substantiated enough. We're going to release this as um, a, a, a piece, right? So the pictures were, the one that was released by Rockstar was the main character holding his guns down, his dual-wielding dual revolvers, and the other picture seems like him in the same area but lifting one of the, the revolvers and shooting somebody. And the other image is of one of the characters riding on a horse. The image they have is a close-up of him turning towards the camera, which is probably the next scene in that cutscene. So they, they fit pretty well. Like, they look really legitimate. Anyways, that being said, the actual information that came out is uh, pretty pretty astounding. Um, so they state that the Red Dead Redemption 2 online component will feature Battle Royale mode, Revive and Survive, and Money Grab modes. Uh, Revive and Survive seemed like a Kill Confirmed, if you're familiar with that in Call of Duty. And Money Grab um, seems like a, a game mode where you just go around this certain section stealing money from each other and probably whoever at the end of a time limit or something has the most money wins. Um... The Battle Royale thing, obviously uh, PUBG and Fortnite are blowing up, so it comes as no surprise that they would try to put something in there. That could be what the possible delay was for, is uh, to, for them to kind of fit that in there. I think Rockstar has a tremendous team of developers. That I don't think it would be that hard for them to shoehorn it in the way Epic was able to with Fortnite. Um, I want to stay. I want to talk about the other stuff here. I'm trying to look for it real quick. Uh, okay, here it is. The memo also states, much like GTA Online, players will be free to explore the open world, although it will supposedly provide far more depth than Rockstar's previously online efforts. For example, NPCs will decorate storefronts with amenities and package, thing away, package things away when night comes. 
uh, so there's a day-night cycle with the NPCs. Frequent rewards will be handed out to players for completing certain tasks. These might range from traveling a certain distance to murdering an enemy using a bow from 100 meters out or something like that. Apartments from GTA Online will return in the form of tents, which can be owned and upgraded by players. These are purchased in the open world and also come in a variety of different themes. Online play will include access to a number of shops and NPCs which provide the players with the equipment and missions. Free events can also be organized outside of standard playlists like spontaneous treasure hunts and death matches. Um, the other thing here, hold on, this GameSpot has a tendency to act a little finicky, so I'm trying to get to this article. Um, they basically talk about a lot of the other things you can do in the single player part of the game. Um, which include some of the interactions you can have with NPCs and such. Um, sorry, this I'm having trouble with this article. I'm trying to get the information, but for some reason, Trusted Reviews is uh, having some server issues. Um, so I guess that's it. I can't really get into the specifics of the story mode stuff off the top of my head. I don't remember a whole lot of it. Um, but yeah, what do you think about this? Do you think Red Dead's going to have a Battle Royale mode done? Yeah, I mean, seems legit, I guess. Why not? Yeah. Why wouldn't it, right, at this point? Makes it, sense. It, yeah, and <clears throat> the only surprise, I think, maybe there is one, but GTA Online hasn't done anything in that in that line, has it? Uh, no. No, they have a mode that they that people say, oh, yeah, GTA has a battle royale. It's not even close. I think you spawn with weapons. The map isn't very big. It's like 15 people. It's, it's like a very watered-down version of that, yeah. And I, I think uh, Red Dead lends lends well, right? Lends better to the battle royale because it's open terrain as opposed to like a cityscape, which is kind of yep. weird. So, yeah, um, and maybe like they tried messing around with it in GTA and just it wasn't you know stable or they didn't they just eventually decided to just put that watered down version in GTA like you said and then you know move on to Red Dead for the the big battle royale mode. Dun dun dun. You know. Yeah, and then maybe that has to do something to do with the delay, like you said too. So I could see that. Um, so trusted reviews and decided to to work with me again. Sorry, do you have another thing you want to talk about? No, and then in addition, like all the other parts of this leak or whatever, I think seem, you know, checks out. Like sounds about right, like what we'd expect, right? So, um, seems legit. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty legit. Um, the the single player stuff, which actually trusted reviews website was willing to work with me here but was having trouble loading um it also talks about um when you find these locations uh throughout the world in single player obviously the cities and stuff they'll have general stores gunsmiths undertakers a slums market which will apparently be a method of procuring equipment at a reduced price so kind of like the black market um there will be vehicles in the game which include minecraft uh, mine carts hand carts horse-drawn carriages and uh also rail uh, railway trains which are a, a way to kind of transport across the open world probably gives you um, an explanation for fast travel or whatever. Um, also, uh, with the solo campaign, side activities will be available, horsemanship challenges, plants and herbs can be gathered, you know, your typical open world stuff. Um, the, the last part here, which was pretty interesting, was that they're kind of going for a more dynamic, uh, like, quest kind of thing with I don't know you didn't play GTA 5 but GTA 5 had this thing called strangers and freaks where like these random side quests that can happen at any point where like somebody gets their purse stolen or like they're just these things that naturally happen they're not like go to point A and start this quest and it's it's 
this article basically states that they're doubling down on some of those things because it is the wild west you would assume those kind of crazy things would happen a little bit more often than in modern society um so that's pretty interesting there's also going to be a, a mysterious stranger in the game which gives me fallout vibes if you're familiar with that um it was his name mysterious stranger too in fallout yeah yeah um yeah, so it basically goes into talk about everything we expect from a Rockstar game, a wanted level, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, I think the Battle Royale is the biggest takeaway there, and I, I would be super excited because um, I, I like the polish Rockstar games have. My only concern is that my least favorite part of GTA uh, and Red Dead were the actual shooting mechanics. Like using your, your dead eye or red eye or whatever it's called in Red Dead Redemption. I don't remember what it's called, but it's basically the mechanic where you slow down time Dom and you aim and then it marks a bunch of areas and then you guys shoot. Um, that was the the best part about the shooting mechanics in Red Dead. GTA 5, I've never been a, a fan of the way the guns feel in it. Um, so my biggest area of concern there is for a game like PUBG uh, or Battle Royale games and then becoming competitive or for people wanting to play them, your gun mechanics just have to feel good. And maybe, you know, Red Dead is such a pretty world that people overlook that and they're like they're okay with it but for me if if there's a battle royale mode in red dead redemption 2 and the the gun play doesn't feel right then it's probably not going to be something for me but it'll probably be something for millions of other people so yeah it's a huge thing i just i've never enjoyed the gun mechanics in gta they're not what i get drawn to those games for it's just the the open world large larger than life sim aspect of them is what really hooks me the shooting has always been a weak point to me uh kind of like the uncharted games in my opinion same thing uh for me anyways for my tastes um i guess the last thing we can go into here isn't necessarily a new story but we touched on it earlier we don't know what Nintendo's big fall release is, right? We don't know what their big game this year period is. Um, you know, we have, we know Bayonetta 3 is in the works. We know that uh, Fire Emblem is in the works, and that's supposed to come out this year. Fire Emblem, as excited as I am for it, yeah, Wolfenstein, but that's a that's a port. It's not really a new release for Nintendo, like a like a exclusive. Um, as excited as I am for the new Fire Emblem, that's not a game that's going to be a big tentpole blockbuster. Uh, we know that Metroid Prime 4 is in development. Is that coming this year? Who knows? There was a recent rumor that Bandai Namco is apparently working on it, which is really interesting. Um, it, it'd be so weird if From's next game was Metroid Prime 4. Because obviously From is owned by, or works with Bandai Namco. I don't know if they're owned. Yeah, I don't think From Software is independent. I think they're owned by Bandai Namco, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, now I'm curious. I want to look that up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, we don't know what Nintendo's big release this fall is. I have an assumption, and it's based on just a couple of dates. Uh, so, we know that their big online service is coming in September. You also mentioned that earlier when we were talking about Call of Duty and Black Ops 4 coming to the Switch. That's coming in September. People have assumed that a game is going to release alongside it. I'm not a huge fan in this. Like, I don't know why you would need to release a game next to it. It just, it's just kind of weird. Uh, for me, my thought process on it. Um, but if we are living in a world where, yes, they are releasing a game to coincide with the release of the online service, a lot of people speculate that it's going to be Smash. I have another idea. So we know that they're planning uh, on releasing a Pokemon game this year. They're saying they're they're kind of re-energized and they're evolving what we know a Pokemon Core RPG to be. That game isn't coming this year. 
I I would bet money on that game not coming this year. What I could see coming this year is a 3D remake of Red and Blue. Uh, the original games were released in 1998 in September, September 30th, in the United States. So this year is the 20th anniversary of Pokemon uh, Red and Blue in the United States. Obviously, the 20th anniversary happened two years ago for Japan. It came out in 96 for them. I think it would be something really cool, 20th anniversary here in the United States, a 3D remake, reimagining of Red and Blue. Um, and you're saying, well, if you don't think that other game's coming out this year, why would you assume this one would be? A 3D remake or retelling or reimagining of Red and Blue, I think for a number of reasons, a lot, is a lot easier to develop and uh, get out uh, to people a lot sooner. Um, you know, you have a lot of the assets. Uh, People don't understand that whenever a new Pokemon comes out, they have to design and R&D a bunch of new Pokemon, a metric ton of them. With red and blue, you have a set amount of Pokemon. You already have them there. They're the oldest ones. And this can include other Pokemon too. This doesn't need to be a, a Gen 1 thing. But it, I think it'll be based on the Pokemon that already exist, right? Putting that into the 3D space, they already know all of the narrative things they have to hit it's already outlined there they already have all the gym leaders they already have all the pokemon they already know everywhere everything needs to be they're not creating a new world they're not creating new gym leaders new pokemon all of that stuff right they have a design template um so that's why i think this is if we are getting a pokemon game i would bet on this a hundred times over than a brand new entry um i could see it my my only counter to your thought process there with you know they already have some of that work done is i'm and i and i could be wrong but i assume a lot of that work that they already have done would have been done in parallel anyway with the other work if that makes yeah. sense yeah so you're right they don't have to tell a story um they only have to make new character model not new models but you know 3d versions or you know updated whatever yeah um, up-rest yeah and that could have been done the newer ones Right, so that that would have been done in parallel with the story being written anyway, and so on, right? So I don't know, just from a project management point of view, how much time you might actually gain um, to the overall dev cycle based on you know one chunk of it missing. It's not like these things happen one after another, right? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that doesn't disprove anything you're saying. It's just it could have been they could have been working on this for a while anyway, so. Exactly. And, like, my biggest thing is I, I think that the scope and everything they're talking about the new Pokemon game being for Switch, I don't think that gets developed in like two years, you know? And Ultra Sun and Moon was something they released last year, was an update to obviously Sun and Moon. I could see them working on that update alongside this. If we were to get the new Switch Pokemon game, I could not see that coming out this year if they were also working on Ultra Sun and Moon, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, handling two projects at once, I could see this plus Ultra Sun and Moon. I couldn't see the new game plus Ultra Sun and Moon and that game coming out this year. Um, and I think from uh, a production standpoint, having everything in place allows you to focus on assets and newer mechanics as opposed to when they create a new Pokemon game from the ground up, they have all those things. They have to figure out what region they're doing. What's the overall theme of this of this generation of Pokemon? What's the difference between the two versions outside of exclusive Pokemon? What does the land look like? What are the new features we're implementing? What are all of the new Pokemon, all 100 plus that they add to the game? Like there's a lot of things that go into developing a new generation of Pokemon. Not saying that this one would be 
you know, easy, but I think there's a lot of things that would allow it to come out in that shorter time frame, right? Um, and obviously, this is all speculation. There's no rumors. We haven't heard anything about this. I was simply sitting there wondering, isn't it the 20-year anniversary for Pokemon? Uh, and I looked it up, and I'm like, yeah, September 30th, 1998 is when Red and Blue came out in the United States. And that would be really cool because, obviously, Pokemon has a huge online infrastructure uh, for people playing online. And I, I think people love Mario. Obviously, people like uh, Link and The Legend of Zelda. The Legend of Zelda doesn't sell consoles the way Mario does or even Pokemon does. And I think as awesome as a new 3D Pokemon game from the ground up, reimagining of the series sounds and how excited we are for that i don't think that would sell as many units as a 3d remake of red and blue like we talked about also in this episode dom nostalgia and we got those ports in 2016 to the 3ds of red and blue there were ports you know having a remake of red and blue would ship switch units like crazy even though i don't see how they can move many faster than they already are um i I just if we're getting a Pokemon title, I really think it's this. And if we if if this doesn't exist, then I don't think we're getting a Pokemon title for at least, you know, a year and a half from now. So, I don't know. And I I I seriously hope myself personally that that's what's going on cuz I'd be way more interested in a remake um than a whole a whole new one myself, so. I want both, but I would love yeah. for people like you who aren't super interested in like a new generation that are the quote unquote gen oneers to be able to come back to Pokemon and you're like it's kind of like the thing when remakes come out of like oh this is the way I remember except not at all because you know that was a, it was in a 2D plane when we first played it and now it's going to be in a 3D plane and I would just love to see what they could do with it with the the power of the Switch I know it's not what PS4 and Xbox One has, but they have enough power there that they can they can up-res those models to beautiful quality, you know, close to the anime in some aspects. And I, I don't really need much different from the, the original game outside of, like, touching up some modern aspects of it, like making sure there's, like, a run mechanic and, like, you know, improvising it and making it fit well in today's ecosystem of video games. But, like, the storyline I'm fine with, the the characters going down to all those different places, you don't really need to change much for me. A couple of new mechanics would be cool, but, like, just a 3D remake of the game would be awesome. I'd be super stoked with that. Um, yes. Hopefully it happens. Like I said, this is not... This rumor or speculation is not founded in any tangible evidence outside of the game releasing September 30th, 1998 in the United States. It was just an idea I had that I thought would be fun to talk about. Um, next week, we are going to be having a guest on the show. Ian Hink is going to be joining us, barring any weird conflict or something happening. Um, hopefully, we'll have everybody back. We'll have Dom, Jordan, and Ian, everyone here. Um, what was I going to say? I'm trying to think. No. you're. Are you picking up Shadow of the Colossus, Dom? <sighs> I haven't. I really, really want to, but I haven't <laughs> even bothered because, like I said, I haven't even touched yeah, you haven't anything, anything. Yeah. It, in the past two weeks. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to buy another game right now. I'm just going to, I will, I will in the next, you know, few months at the latest, right? I still have, still want to, you know, get through the, the Call of Duty campaign, um, which won't take, I should have been able to get through it three times already since we last talked, but it just hasn't <laughs> happened. Um, That's life, yeah. 
but I, I really do want to yeah pick up Shadow of the Colossus and run through and that that in itself isn't a huge game either um so I, I'm running out of excuses but yeah that's like next on my list I like I've never played that before at all so apparently it's life changing uh, so let's hop into the part of the show where we're talking about what we're going to be playing. Hopefully for you it's something. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I guess I'll start with myself. So I want to finish Celeste. I'm about three hours into that game. Loving it. Oh, we oh, also talked about that. that. Mm. Yeah, we also talked about that last week too. Uh, I hadn't had a chance to touch it this week because uh, I was kind of focusing on playing some Monster Hunter World with the time I had. Um, but I'm about three hours into that. Loving it. It's awesome. Uh, it definitely scratches that Shovel Knight itch, that difficult platformer itch that mega man itch um great game that's something i would suggest for you to get uh dom if you're looking for something new to play on your switch on your handheld obviously when you have time um but yeah i think you would like celeste um what else monster hunter world gonna be playing that uh i need to get to wolfenstein 2 as well i need to get through that because i love the game i'm just not finding time for them currently in the monster hunter world zeitgeist uh i also but I've made a rule for myself that I'm not picking up this game until I finish one of those three other games, which Celeste is going to be the first one, obviously, or Wolfenstein 2. I'm not finishing Monster Hunter World anytime soon. Um, have you heard of Subnautica, Dom? It sounds familiar. I feel like we've mentioned it before, but uh, I don't know. So Subnautica, imagine Minecraft, okay? So think of like a survival game, okay? Not necessarily blocks and stuff, but like a survival game. Uh, you get resources and you survive but with a portal-esque aesthetic so think of the way portal looks very clean edges very mm -hmm. modern design basically what happens in the game is you crash onto an alien planet uh and it's a ocean-based planet right you're in this little pod and basically the the beginning uh loop of the game is that you exit your pod go underwater find materials come back up fix stuff you you build yourself a rebreather a thing to help you swim uh radiation suit and you can start going deeper and deeper into the ocean finding stuff there's also other pods from other people that are in your ship because it's a giant ship there's crash you start hearing tying together what exactly happened uh wh why you guys crashed what happened to all the other people are there survivors is there islands on this planet is it just nothing but water what's going on is there intelligent life on this on this planet and I, there's a lot of spoiler stuff that I don't want to get into. Anyways, it was a game I saw somebody streaming, and I'm like, that looks dope. Because I like those survival crafty games, and I love the aesthetic of Portal. Like, that very clean, science-y, uh, quarantined look. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like, very clean yep. edges. Um, yep. Cool oh, thing, yeah. too, is you actually, <laughs> when you gather enough materials, you can build your own little, like, underwater space station, Dom. So, like, you have, like, these underwater tubes you go into, and they're just, like, rooms you can grab fauna and flora and, and plant them and you can have your own uh, sounding kind of cool yeah it is it looks super dope if you have a chance i definitely suggest you checking it out uh, it's only like 20 bucks too but like check out the like, gameplay and stuff to see if you're interested yeah, you can yeah. build like your own like i said i think the easiest way to describe it is it's it's minecraft underwater with a portal aesthetic and that's the next game i'm really gelling to play but i made myself a promise that i'm going to finish one of these three games i'm currently playing and then I'll hop into it. You know, it's not a game that's like a triple A release. It's not expensive either, but I'm just, I want to wane myself. So I'm not pulling myself in so many different directions. Definitely check it out though. Subnautica looks really cool. Um, as far as watching, I need to get to Altered Carbon. I need to get to uh, the Cloverfield Paradox. 
Uh, Walking Dead comes back this week, I think. Ah, and though I'm not no, the... it's it's uh, the twenty something if. Okay, so it's not a while. Out. I was didn't it used to come out the week after the Super Bowl? Or am I not right with that? Maybe, but yeah, you might be right, but it's not this time. <laughs> okay, I can wait three weeks. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> like I've said before, I'm not the biggest fan of Walking Dead, but I've stuck with it this long that I want to see what happens. I've, yeah, I've invested exactly. so much time into it that I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I want to see exactly what goes down. Uh, Mew comes out in the next couple of weeks, I think, that new Netflix movie from the director of Moon, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Also the director of Warcraft, unfortunately, Duncan Jones. Um, I'm trying to think of what else comes out in the next week. We'll be recording before Black Panther comes out. Super excited for that. Uh yeah, it's pretty much it for me. I'm also thinking about... I don't remember when Annihilation comes out, the movie with uh, Natalie Portman, but uh, the novel for that movie is 200 pages, which is like nothing. So I'm thinking of possibly buying that and reading it before the movie comes out. Once again, love sci-fi, and uh, I know Annihilation has been a big thing in the novel space for a long time. Now there's a movie, it's an excuse for me to get around to reading it. And uh, yeah, it's pretty much it for me. What about you, Dom? I know you plan to play something, or hope to play something. <laughs> Um, and if it's anything, it'll probably be Call of Duty World War Two. Awesome. The st- uh, you're, you started that a couple of weeks ago, right, the campaign? Yeah, and I got like maybe two hours or so into it, so I got a little bit left to go. Who's the Josh Dumel or something, right, is the main like celebrity in it? He's like the yeah, squad leader. Yeah, and I'm not familiar with him, but yeah. I don't even remember what he's in either. I think he's just like famous for being famous. I, I really don't know what he's in. Uh, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, I also, like I said, I strongly suggest you at least checking out some stuff for Subnautica, Dom. It might not be a game you're interested in, but I think it's on the on the outside looking in, it's an interesting enough game to like, hmm, I wonder if I'd be interested. Okay, no, or oh, yeah, this is something I want to check out, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'll look into it. Yeah, <laughs> do your research. Uh, it's pretty much it. Hopefully you guys join us next week for episode 88. Like I said at the beginning of the show, if you're listening to this, please go and check out our new series, A Look Back At. They're 20 to 30 minute conversations solely about a specific video game, what we loved about it, what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. Uh, A mostly positive spin on the discussions, but we are critical. And the first episode features Batman Arkham City, and it's hosted by Dom and Jordan, and they talk about it. We have episodes coming out in the future. It's a bi-weekly show. Uh, we have episodes already in the can for Limbo, uh, Modern Warfare, and I can't remember the other one that we recorded, Shovel Knight. Those are the other ones we already have in the can. Um, they're not always going to be two people from Controlled Interests. Most of the time, they're going to be one of us and a guest, or sometimes uh, us in general, me, a mixture of me, Dom, and Jordan. Uh, there are two people at the most because I like to have them d- discuss it. And, uh, yeah, definitely go check that out, please. Uh, I, I put some work into editing it, and uh, hopefully you enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, hopefully you guys join us next week. If you can, subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on iTunes. Leave a review if you have the time. Definitely appreciate it, and it helps us out. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week when Ian comes by from Easy Allies to join us and talk He'll probably want to talk about Monster Hunter World because I think he's currently in the zeitgeist too. So we'll have a neat little discussion there from he's never really been into it either, Dom. So it'll probably be a three-way discussion of me, Jordan, and Ian talking about a franchise that we're playing that we all don't have experience in. So we'll see what happens there. And, uh, yeah, any closing words, Dom? All righty then. (laughs) See you guys next week.